males are born, men are built. This is the Great Man Podcast, where we want you to build great men as you allow other men to build you. Join New York Times bestselling author Stephen Mansfield, along with seasoned leaders of men, as we bring a wide range of experience and expertise to help you become the great man you are designed to be. What's going on, gentlemen? What's going on? This is Anthony Flemons, and this is the Great Man Podcast. And as you know, we get together every week in hopes of making better men, quite simply put. And the show is kind of split into two parts. One part is the talk. And it's where Stephen Mansfield comes in and kind of takes a 10,000 foot view, takes one of the great arts of manhood and kind of breaks into it or breaks breaks the seal on it, so to say. And then the second one is the build. And it's where myself and my co-host, we come in and take a real practical application, a practical look at what's going on and see how we can work it into our lives. And that all together is the Great Man Podcast. So today it's a little bittersweet. Today is the first day that I'm recording without JT McCraw. And JT is somewhere, I think he was last I heard when I spoke to him on a sat phone, man, he was climbing up Mount Everest, you know, doing something with the Indians there and, and creating this whole new genre of uh, art that he's painting up on the mountains, man, doing something outrageous. But he's really taking some time to just dig into himself, dig into his family, focus on one thing, man, and get away from all the noise and become a better man himself. And it's a conversation we've been having uh, for some time now, and now that's finally happened. And and uh, Jonas, I know last week, man, you guys gave us a, a, a gave me a really hard time about being on vacation. What, what's that about, man? Because I rarely take a vacation. I think I get four a year, so that's one every quarter. I mean, that's not that's not a lot, is it, Jay? <laughs> that's not a lot. That sounds nice. Man. Yeah, that sounds great. So, so anyway, man, this last vacation, uh, we went with a group of friends, and it was twelve or thirteen of us, man. And we went to Mexico, and went to Cancun, and went to a uh, what do you call it? all inclusive resort. And man, we get there, and uh, we get in our rooms and everything. And about ten minutes later, man, this guy comes and knocks on the door, and he introduces himself, and he goes, "I'm your butler," and I'm like. Okay, we got a butler. And then he gets us to download uh, WhatsApp and says, hey, man, this is how we'll be discussing. This is how we'll be uh, interacting with each other. And if you need me, man, just hit me on WhatsApp and I can handle anything. And so that was pretty cool. And then we look around our room and it's a four room suite. And it's got its own kitchen and dining room and living room wow. with these windows that open all up to the view of the ocean, man, right out in front of us. And then we have our bedroom and then a separate uh, tub, a hot tub. And then we have the actual bathroom in the suite, man. But it was pretty it was pretty great. It was pretty awesome. So, uh, you, what do you want me to say? <laughs> Nothing to say. That all right, sounds so, really nice. So now that we've gotten past that, man, and kind of I brought you up to date and where I've been and where JT is currently, I wanted to introduce somebody that's going to be spending time with us. He's my co-host, and his name is Jay Kim. What's going on, guy? How's it going? Good, man. Yeah, man, you went on vacation and they replaced JT with an Asian. Yeah. <laughs> so now we don't have our Kentucky, <laughs> our Kentucky hillbilly. We have a, a New York Asian. Oh, you got a city slicker. Yeah. That's what you got. So, man, J. Kim, we met, I don't know, let's let's spend 10 minutes kind of chatting about you and I, man. We we met 10 or 12 years ago. Something like that. 
Yeah. And we both were a part of the men's leadership team. And I don't think that I've ever asked you this. How did you end up on the men's leadership team? Uh, My best friend, Adam, was part of it at the time. And then he, he just asked me if I wanted to be part of it. Adam invited you in and you came in and you sat with us. Is that the way it happened? I don't remember. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I just sat in on a meeting, wanted to learn as much as I could. Kind of like right here. I want to learn as much as I can. Yeah. Well, you're not going to learn much here with me, man. <laughs> We're going to learn together. Yeah. So you came and uh, you, you got to be a part of the men's leadership team. And for those of you that don't know, we both belong to a very large church, man. So there's activities and things that uh, we kind of direct at the men. And there's a there's a thing that when people walk into our church, they notice that the men are active, man. I mean, we try and put men in key places, greeters, working with the children. So we get men involved. And the part of the vision of our church is that we're going to touch every city, everything that's immediately at, at our reach to touch the entire world. Yeah. So that's the vision for our yeah. church. But for you, J. Kim, so you and I, if we were comparing each other to each other. <laughs> yeah. So I am currently 58 years old and you are 40 40 exactly so there's there's 18 years difference there i've been married 21 years and you've been married uh 20 20 23 years okay sorry you've been married three years all right and i have three children and you have two cats two cats so (laughs) let's get into this for a minute too man cat guys man like i in my head when i think about cats man it's not something that I want to spend any time with, man. How did you become a cat guy? Well, I see it as like the manhood journey. It's not easy, right? You know, <laughs> being a dog person, that's default. That's what I was before because, you know, it's, it's easy to love dogs. Yeah. No, but I, I don't know. It was uh, My wife was in town. Well, when we were dating, she was in town and she was staying at a friend's house and we saw a stray cat outside and just picked him up. Cause he was like really, really friendly. And I looked at him and I'm like, well, he's my cat now. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> and then we, uh, so a lot of planning, a lot of thought went into this decision to become she, a cat guy. She was extremely surprised. And she, to this day, she's like, I don't want people telling like saying that I did this to you. <laughs> yeah. I want them to know that you did this to yourself. Yeah. Well, man, we're going to get into the show a bit, man. But so this week, like we both listened to Steven's podcast. And yeah. what was what was the name of his podcast, J. Cam? I think it was The Vision Experiment. The Vision Experiment. So I began to listen to this thing, and he starts talking. And then, you know, right off the bat, he starts dropping names. I think he said Beth Moore. And he said that like four times. Okay, He says that it. a lot. He yeah, says that a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we know that you know famous people. <laughs> but anyway, man, so it, it's The Vision Experiment. And so I'm sitting there listening to Steven talking about vision, and I become very frightened at the thought of doing a show on vision, because if I'm honest, Jay, mm. I don't know that I'm very good at casting vision because I'm constantly reacting to the negatives in my life or the dysfunction in my life or mistakes that I make. And then I can plot a goal to get away from that and carry me to a new place where I don't have to revisit that again. But starting at ground zero and just going, hey, I think I need a vision in this area of my life. I don't know that I do that really well. How about you? I could confidently say I've never done it. <laughs> really? I, I, I was going into this podcast thinking, okay, I'm going to respond. It's going to be great. Steven's going to say something super insightful and I'll have some insight to add to it. Yeah. I was like, man, this is an introduction to this concept. Yeah, man. 
And it was said in such a practical way that I was like, okay, this might just change my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny too, man. Sitting down listening to Stephen for 10 or 15 minutes is like reading a 600-page science book, man. I mean, there's so much information in there. And then you're supposed to read it and digest it in a week. I mean, we need to get these podcasts three, four months in advance where we can listen to them a couple hundred times and then come on and debrief about all the meat that he puts inside of this 15 minutes, man. I, w- I would say that, like, I, I thought I understood the concepts, and then we met, and I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> oh, wait, no, this is this is stuff that I need. I need, yeah. to, I need to think more about it. So I thought it was interesting, man, that, that Stephen, he pushes this big idea, but he always leaves room for these incremental steps, man. And he said, just identify an area of your life that you feel like needs vision. But he started the whole podcast talking about a lot of things about how men are uniquely designed for vision. And he talked about a study. Stephen's always quoting these studies, man. And I don't know that I buy them. I think it's just Stephen's <laughs> idea of what he wants to convey. And then he says that a study did it. He's just making up research. Yeah, he's making up research. <laughs> but he says that that men and women, when you look at them on an aptitude test, that women outstroke or outweigh men in almost every area except for two. You abstract, say abstract thought. Yeah. And aggression. And aggression. Abstract thought and aggression. And he says that for him, no matter what the what the psychological community thinks about it, for him, abstract thought is vision, being able to create something out of nothing and carry forth to a logical end to create that thing in your life. And then aggression is the uh, the fuel, I guess, it takes to manage that and to, to drive to, 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 to drive achieve to it. it. Yeah. yeah. So that that's kind of the cursory introduction to what we're going to talk about a little bit today. So vision in your life, Jay, like what area of your life has been, and this is, you don't know that I'm going to ask you this. No. What area of your life do you feel like is your biggest flaw or your biggest disappointment? Well, I would say that that was, it's hard for me to get in touch with guys. Um, It's just weird. I'll have a notification on my phone every week to call different guys and I just won't get to it. And when I do, just awkward. Phone calls have always been awkward for me. And so it's hard for me to, it's always been hard for me to get, let people close. Yeah. So having that regular contact is is basically forcing vulnerability between you and the men in your lives. And I, I it's always been a struggle. You know, I, I'm just not a person who call, talks on the phone a lot. Yeah. You know, people always shocked that they're like, you don't call your mom ever. I'm like, yeah, maybe like once a year. <laughs> oh, man. Wish her happy Mother's Day, you know? <laughs> Jay. I mean, we see each other on the holidays and it's like we never left. It's awesome. Like my, my family's like that. I called my sister once and she's like, we're Kim's. We don't call each other. What, what's going on? And I'm yeah. like, I just want to talk to you. It's like, all right. So, so in your life, you feel like your biggest flaw is just your ability to connect and communicate and stay in contact with other guys. Yeah. And you know, the show and the podcast all together, and then Steven's book, Building Your Band of Brothers, it's kind of almost the ABCs to what we do. It's the ABCs of who we're called to be. And it's one of the places that we learn how to grow and expand. And even, you know, with, with listening to Steven's podcast, it plants stuff in us, man, that we go, ooh, maybe I need that. Maybe yeah. I need to grow in this area. 
Maybe I need to set vision for myself. I, I know it from from being in that leadership team with you and 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 doing life with a with a group of men. I know it's vital to to a man's life and development and growth to have great men around you, and not just have them around you as acquaintances, but to have that regular contact with somebody, so that when they see you, they can immediately tell something's up. Yeah. Just by looking at you. Yeah. And you can't do that unless you have regular contact with somebody. Sure. So for me, I know, I know intellectually, I know I, I put these things in my phone because it's vital. Just the doing it is is what's difficult. And I feel like the the topic today, it, it might help me a lot. because Because yeah. the thing is, is that I feel like I feel like it might be a common thing to men. But for me. In my life, I didn't have a vision. I didn't have a picture of where I wanted to be. Yeah. I just knew that to get there, I had to do something. Yeah. So I would just intentionally strive to do that one thing without a purpose and a vision to to drive it. Yeah. And so hearing this, like just the practical, you know, just having a picture, a practical picture of where you want to be in the future in a very specific time frame. Yeah just to drive you forward. I feel like that sustains the intentionality that we need to have as men going through life. You know, what did, what did you think about when, when Steven and again, man, Steven's brilliant, man. And he comes up with all the Greek and all these other, you know, descriptions <laughs> of the Bible. But what did you think about the verse that he quoted from the Bible that without vision, men will perish or people will perish. Yeah. And he said, but it didn't really do justice to the actual text because yeah. the actual text implies that people will be cut off or cut loose, lose restraint, uh, be like a slack rope waving in the wind, man. What did you think when you heard that? Um, I thought of my work, honestly, because it's because I, I make I do motion graphics and video content for a, a, for a nonprofit, for ministry. And a lot of times people have a lot of meetings. And then they'll come to me to execute what they what their plan and vision is. Right. But they don't communicate it. Mm. And they actually just say, well, this is open to you. Here's the vague idea. Yeah. And then I will work. I will work really hard <laughs> to kind of execute that. And they'll come back and be like, that's not what we that's not what we were expecting. <laughs> you didn't um, give me anything. Yeah, you but didn't that's give me anything. So for me, creativity, uh, I look at my creativity and my my work. Like it's water going through a hose. Yeah, you mentioned this to me the yeah. other day. And if you if you if you tighten the end or you put your thumb over it, you know the water flows faster. Right. So when people don't give you restraints, you know people don't give you boundaries for the ideas, or they say, okay, this is this is the scope, this is the audience, this is the purpose of what we're doing. You know, a vision. Yeah. Of what we want that future thing to look like. Yeah. Without that, it's it's basically stagnation. Like it's it's just you sit for hours in front of your screen just trying to figure out what it is. Yeah. And you try to execute it. And sometimes you hit the nail on the on the head. You know, yeah. people are like, This is great. But like I I look at without restraint, I th- I feel like unrestrained no vision. Is, is the destroyer of creativity. Mm. It's the destroyer of drive. I think the reason why men can become great couch potatoes is without vision, 
their aggression goes nowhere. Mm. It just spreads out and and it could just be it could, it could be the opposite of aggression, but it's literally your aggression just is disseminates. Not, it just dissolves. You know, I thought it was brilliant though, Jay, when you were talking about work and I guess it was a day or two ago, but you mentioned this whole idea of the water hose and in the idea of vision in the same sentence, man, because when we constrain our ability to just go in a thousand different directions. When we focus in like a laser, that beam of light becomes very powerful and it can cut through steel. It can cut through a lot of things. But you mentioned that creative process, man, that when you constrain it in, it makes it a lot more powerful and it's able to flood out at a higher speed and do more damage or do more good or do more whatever it is that you need to do. And I thought that was a great example, man, of the importance of vision in our lives, man, that, you know, when I when I heard him speak about, you know, being cut loose, I had just come back from vacation and I thought about us parasailing. Parasailing is when you get hooked to the boat. So it's one, been one of those, you know, life goals, man. We wanted to do it. So we saw somebody doing it and we were sitting at the pool, man, and, you know, maybe had a cocktail or two. And we're and we're thinking, man, maybe we should go do that. So we go to the desk and we sign up to parasail. Anyway, they get us on the back of the boat, get us in the harness and they take us up. And so we're parasailing. But the first thing that you're going to think is, what if that tether snaps? What if it comes unhooked? And then you're going to kind of just float off in whatever direction that the wind carries you. And and I was really thinking about vision, man. Is that where we end up as men when we don't have when we're not tethered to a truth. We're not tethered to a belief. We're not tethered to things that matter in our lives. And for both of us, I mean, we're Christians. So the biggest tether, the biggest boat that's going to pull our vision or guide our vision is probably going to be the word of God and those things that godly men do. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, man. And so I was just thinking about that man being cut loose from the back of that boat, man, that you would have the opportunity to just fly and go anywhere that you wanted to. But vision is what attaches us to our beliefs, attaches us to our ideals and carries us to the place that we say that we want to go. Yeah. But for, for your analogy too, at least you have a parachute, you know what Mm. I mean? And if you look at it that way too, (laughs) we, we got a ton of, we got a ton of wind coming from every different direction. Yeah. That'll take our abstract thought anywhere. Men fantasize. Yeah. Our, we, we use that energy for the weirdest things, like if my wife ta- tells me about something going on with her at work or something, my brain already went and figured out all the things I would do in that situation yeah. to fix it. And then I come with like, you know, stupid. I I, I don't realize that she doesn't think that way. <laughs> her brain doesn't go to abstract thought in that, that way. And I and I try to fix it. And that's that's doing damage. You know, there's so many different things that can take our abstract thought can take our aggression and if it's not directed somewhere it'll just get drained out of us now you're a gamer yeah and you game on computers and on gaming systems yeah and how many hours a day and, and we're gonna throw it out there how many hours a day do well, you honestly game man? uh no not not much I, no I, I do i try to if i if i can stream it I, I'm, I'm live streaming maybe like two hours max two hours you yeah. know but i know that gaming man and and computer gaming and all of that it has a way of engulfing us and taking us into this fantasy world where mm-hmm. we can just exist and we may be powerful in this world or maybe this or that do you think men don't cast vision because we feel like we're not capable of accomplishing it i think it's 
it's because well, I know for me, I don't cast. I didn't cast vision before because I didn't think it was attainable. Mm-hmm. I had this high view of it, like it's it's not something anybody has, right? Vision is supposed to be this lofty thing that other men call out of you, or God calls out of you. Yeah, and hearing what you know what Stephen had to say was was just kind of mind blowing to me. It's like that's really practical. That's really simple. Vision is literally just a picture of where you want to be. Yeah. At a very specific time. I think I think both of those are right too, Jay. Like, you know, if we if we are reading scripture, man, there are times in the Bible when God came to a man and gave him his plan. He yeah. revealed his plan to him. He gave him this godly vision. He told Adam to go and reproduce, man to take dominion. You know, he, he told this man to, to lead all these prisoners out of this foreign land and set his people free. I mean, he's, he's given these visions, man. So we do see in scripture, man, where God will actually have a visitation and give us scripture, but that's one piece of the pie. He also gives us free will and the ability to think and look at our lives and see where we're at a default or see where we're, uh, have, a things in our past that cause us to behave a certain way. And we can walk away from that towards success. And I know when we were chatting the other day, Jay, you told me something, man, that you didn't really think was a big deal. And I said, every man that has a woman in his (laughs) life needs to have a vision for creating this in his household. And what was that, man? Well, I I think we need to give the framework, right? Okay. uh, My wife and I dated nine years before we got engaged. And so people always ask about that courtship. And what really brought it to that next level was the fact that I didn't realize by trying to fix it always and and kind of it, getting it being upset, whatever came up, whatever came up, any it, I would always interpret anything she said as uh, as a problem. Here's my opportunity yeah. to be of value. I can fix yeah. this thing for her and be of value to but, her. But also there was that defensive side of me, too. Of like, oh, you're saying something about me too, so I need to push back. You know what I mean? Like, I, and so I would get defensive. I would also try to fix things, and it would just make the conversation make her feel like she wasn't being heard or valued. Yeah, you know, when I get defensive or when I tell her, actually, this is what happened. I'm telling her, no, you're crazy. You know, to her, she's 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 hearing you're crazy, and you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And so when she moved to Nashville and we got to be in the same city for, for, you know, to the last two years of our courtship, like we, we were going to couples therapy. Yeah. And the therapist was like, you're both right. Hmm. You're both right. And I started to do the hard work of understanding that I need to turn towards her when she has a problem. Mm. In other words, if she tells me something, the solution that I have, isn't the solution she's looking for. The solution she's looking for is to be hurt. Mm-hmm. And so what my goal has to be now is to turn towards her and repeat what she said in the form of a question. You know, she says like, oh, when this uh, something, this happened at work. I was like, OK, so we were at work today when this happened, it made you feel this way. And that to her, that just fills her cup. What what happened, Jay, the first time that you did that, that you mustered <laughs> up the strength to not try and fix it? And you just used a simple tool that you learned in counseling and repeated back what she said. Uh, I, she was she told me in that moment when she was like, OK, it's good to marry this guy. Mm. Right. And <laughs> we got married like we got married pretty much two years later. It was pretty quick. 
Who'd have thought? <laughs> Who'd have thought? That's pretty amazing, man. Yeah. But but I think yeah. that every married guy or every guy that's got a woman in his life, man, that probably, if you don't know where to start, maybe that's a place to start, is creating a space where your wife feels comfortable to express what she's thinking and feeling. Because I say this a lot, man, that women speak to figure out what they believe. Women are speaking and, you know, they might speak on a thousand different levels and a wide gamut of stuff to narrow in on what it is that they actually feel and think, man. And we're guys, man, we contemplate, we're contemplative. So by the time that we verbalize it, we're probably pretty sure of what it is that we think or where we want to go. Yeah. And so when we hear something come from our wives, we're like, oh, that's that's where we're going. But it's it's not even close to it, man. Yeah. The spaghetti is is stretching across the street, man. Yeah, it it for me, I was going to therapy. I was going to, you know, we were we were talking about this and we we're working it as to turn into a habit. But but in my head, I was like, so that I could just do this on autopilot. Right. You know, and what I didn't realize is that not only do I have to cast a do I have to have a picture of what that looks like, what our marriage is gonna be if I continue because to Because of this. the way you're behaving, yeah. right. If she continues to feel like I'm a safe place. You know, and secure our marriage, our bond, our intimacy will get better. Yeah. You know, in, in so many ways. And so, you know, like imagine if she didn't feel safe, what, you know, what our marriage bed would look like. Imagine yeah. what if she didn't feel safe, what raising kids would look like together. And so the fact that I have to have this vision now of like where I want my marriage to be with her, what it wanted to look like after, you know, letting her thrive and flourish and feel safe in the yeah. relationship and understanding that 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 makes sex better it does that makes everything better yeah you know and and so i i didn't think that to have that vision i was just brute forcing it yeah i was like hey if i do this enough times so just be second nature and that's not how it works because my nature is <laughs> it's hard you know it's hard to because it's the most unsatisfying thing for my man brain to 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 kind of wrap itself around is, is that she's, she doesn't want the solution. Yeah. You're doing something that's <laughs> counterintuitive to your own mind. Yeah. You hear an issue, you hear a problem, you have a solution, but what you do is turn and go. So what I'm hearing is, mm-hmm. and it's, it's not satisfying in a yeah. way until you get the response from your bride or from your girl that says, wow, I really felt hurt. Yeah. Or thank you so much for listening or thank you for not trying to fix that. Right. And so for me, my brain is stuck going, but I have the solution. Yeah, I, we can fix this and I can never fi- have to revisit this I again. I can tell you one thing and it'll fix it. But yeah. then again, like when I used to tell her that one thing, it would just spark a whole argument and yeah. not fix anything. <laughs> so I think we solved, man, like your vision experiment, man, is, yeah. is that's one focal point for vision in your life is to create a space that's safe in your home where your wife feels free to express no matter how foolish or no matter how brilliant what it is that she needs to say is that she feels a space, you know, uh, adequately set aside for her to do that and that you're not going to bust in. You know, you mentioned intimacy, man. I talk about this all the time that, that men say that they want more sex and we do. But I think a lot of times men try to fill the, the intimacy cup 
with sex and they're just not the same cup. They're not the same satisfaction, man, that you can, you can find sex and you can go and, and uh, look at porn and you can do all these things, but they're never as fulfilling, man, as being in a relationship and having a sexual life that is intimate. And one of my focal points or one of my vision experiments started 15, 14, I don't know, months ago, man. But I decided, man, very similarly, man, that I wanted to create a space that my wife felt safe to just be out of whack. That my wife could say things and behave in ways, man, that she was actually feeling that I wouldn't shut down and just go, well, get a hold, get a hold. And I wanted to create the space for not only my wife, but my children as well, for them to come to me. You know how your kids will come to you and they'll say things. Well, you don't know yet. I don't know yet. You're going to have fun (laughs) with this. But your kids will come to you, man, and they'll say things, man, just to get a rise out of you, like something political. Mm -hmm. Like if they know that you're on the right, they'll say something that's just ingrained on the left. Or if they know you're on the left, they'll say something that's just flourishing in the right, man. And just, you know, sit back and wait for you to say something. So my son would come to me and go, you know, hey, dad, what do you think about abortion? And, you know, and for a while I would bite and tell him what I thought. And then we'd get in this back to back, you know, conversation where nothing would ever get solved. And then I started to find out that he just kind of wanted to chat and he's talking, he's poking at me, man. So I stopped doing that and started redirecting the conversation to him, but just creating a space for him to come to me and talk, man. And so that started for me 12, 13, 14 months ago, man. And it's been very fruitful, but painting that vision and marching towards that vision, it's really slow work. Yeah, having this idea of where you wanted to end up and then walking all the steps out to get there, man, it's really so slow work. So how do we not get discouraged on our way to when we do this vision experiment? You know, so we have both vision in relationship to our wives. Do you have any physical vision that you want to have for yourself? Yeah, there's another thing about vision that has to be realistic, right? Yeah. I can't be like, I got to look like a Marvel superhero in about five months. You yeah. know what I mean? I have to say something realistic like maybe 10 pounds in the next five months you know yeah something like that. what's the yellow guy's name on the cartoon homer or something? yeah <laughs> i don't want to look like homer in five months man <laughs> maybe that's a better a better uh yeah but physical physical experiment the physical vision for you do you have one yeah yeah how much weight would get you to that vision or the first leg oh. of that vision how much losing how much weight or gaining how much weight I've got to start small. I got to say maybe 15 pounds. So you you would like to lose 15 pounds. I would like to lose 50 pounds, but But your first, your first step is 15. You know, we went to New York, I guess five or six months ago. And uh, I was looking back at some pictures Mm -hmm. and I was like, man, that's a lot of belly. That is a lot of fat. And I came back, man. And I had gotten in real good shape, man. At 220, man, I looked, you know, skinny and I ballooned up to 260 and I came back and I looked at those pictures and I was, I painted a a new vision for myself, man. I go, I have to get towards this 220 mark because one, and, 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 you know, as we cast this vision, man, we have to have a why. And my why is I want to be around for my daughter's wedding. I want to be around for my son's wedding. And I want to be around to live a low old life with my wife where it's just she and myself, man. So I began to work towards that. And you're talking about a slow walk 
towards vision, man, is when you do something with your body, man, to try and change the physical makeup of your body. It's a long, stretched out process, man. So that's been, I don't know, nine months. I'm probably... 30, almost 30 pounds down wow. and I'm still a big old fat dude, man. <laughs> so, but, but, but what I'm saying is we have to paint this vision, man, of where we want to go. And the older you get, it's harder. Too. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. hard. So you'd like to drop 15 or 20 pounds. I like to drop 60. Sixty. <laughs> gotcha. You got to set that, you got to set that vision at a realistic place. What I like about, what I think is brilliant about what Steven says is that it's, it's within a realistic time period. You know, you set a goal for a specific date because you're not going to be the same person at mm. that date. So you're going to have to cast a new vision. Mm-hmm. It, it's sort of the, this vision that I have for my marriage. It can't just be one time. You know, I'd be like, by this point, I want to see us here. When you hit that point, you cast another one. Yeah. And you have to constantly be casting vision. And, and you can't be on autopilot. For the average guy, man, I'm wondering where do where do we get the the angst or the 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 spark to even realize we need vision? Do you feel like vision comes out of like a, I don't know dysfunction or a failure, and you go, "Ooh, I don't want to end up here again. How do I avoid being here and being over there instead?" Yeah. I I refer to my friend Cole Young. He refers to it as painless wisdom. And painless wisdom to him is, I went through all this pain to gain this wisdom. You don't have to. Yeah. If you can take that wisdom, you can get there without pain. And I think too often, like very often, it's something bad happens. And then we have to make a goal. Like we get caught doing something. We get... You know, guy gets caught looking at porn, mm-hmm. you know, by his wife. You have to you have to very quickly create a vision mm-hmm. and you have to do very, very hard work to get there. Um, it's, it's still hard if you don't get if you if you're not in a bad place. But to get that wisdom without pain would be something that's only possible with men in your life. Mm if you have great men who've gone through things who have wisdom that they want to impart on you, that's the only way you can gain that wisdom without the pain. Now it's been years, man, since I've gone to a barbershop, man, but I think that's one of the great values of visiting a local barbershop is that you can walk in and you can hear a lot of foolishness in the barbershop, granted, but you hear a lot of men talking about the things that they've accomplished in their lives, the mistakes that they've made and how they walked out of those, man. And you can sit around there. And as a young guy, you may not have a lot to say, but you can sit around and listen to all the mistakes and all the failures and all the disappointments that these guys had and how they ended up walking out of them. Well, I used to do this and now I do that. And it helps us walk out of that. But I think it's just a, a, a cycle for us all, man, that we have failures and dysfunction and these things in our lives and we march away from it towards a better ideal. And that's our vision. Yeah. Also, that foolishness, I think, is valuable. Oh, yeah. You, men don't get to the point of knowledge and, and you know, in, insightfulness until they get to say something crude to each other. Yeah. You know, it's just the way it is, man. We got <laughs> to make a joke. You got to, we got to, you know, we got to make a joke at each other's expense before, before <laughs> we can get 
to the point where we can be vulnerable. Yeah, I got to test you and see if I can say this thing and how you respond. Yeah. To see if we're really friends. But man, this is this has been great, man, talking about vision. And if you had to narrow it down, so we know that you've been exercising this uh, activity of having a vision towards creating a safe space in your home. If you had to create a new point of vision today, where would it take you? Where what What do you see out there for you? And take your time. Uh, you know, there's a question that you always get asked at job interviews about like, where do you see yourself in five years? And that's essentially asking, do you have a vision for where you're going? And I always was like baffled at that question. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, you know, if I'm looking at my life and I'm doing this vision experiment where Steven says, look, find, identify where you most need vision installed mm-hmm. in your life. Like I, I think about, Clearly, I, I haven't fully started on my vision for my marriage yet. So that's number one for me. And then aside from that would be because I kind of went through life with this Forrest Gump kind of mentality. This sort of like th- this protagonist of his own movie sort of thing where where I'll just go with the flow. What happens will happen. What ha- yeah. It'll be great stuff. Yeah, just so much grace. It'll take me somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. and life will just leave me there. And, and that's, that passivity is, you know, infected a lot in my life. And so I would say second would be, you know, my, my work, you know, I go to work and I'm, I got all these skills and I know how to execute, but I don't have a vision for what that is. Do you have a, do you have a plan to work for yourself or to be self-employed or do you feel like that you're going to continue to work in this ministry and nonprofit? I've, I've been there for over 10 years and it's, uh, it's, it's something I firmly believe in everything they do that they do. And it's an honor every day that I oh, get that's to work great, for man. it. So that, that's a rare thing. Like I think I came out of film school with all these lofty ideas of where I wanted to be. And then God directed me and said, find a place where you can do something you believe in Yeah, working for me. So you're planted in the right place. Yeah. So I think I I would love to see me there in five years, but, but if I want to set a goal, it's, it's more for why I'm there. Mm. It's more for my work ethic than anything else. Because for me, that's, 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 if you want to look at the greatest flaw, one of my greatest flaws is I don't, I don't really have work ethic. You know Mm. what I mean? Like I, I, I can execute, I get things done. And I can deliver, but the work ethic is kind of like, whatever, you know, I, I just kind of drift and I'll, I'll get there in my own time, you know? And so to say, this is the reason why I'm doing this. Here's where I want to be as, as a worker Yeah. at this point, you know, and at my job and it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's it hard is. to get there. All right. So. I guess if we had to name five areas that classically men find themselves falling behind in vision, I, I'm going to assume that relationally there needs to be vision. And you say you set alarms and all that kind of stuff to help you accomplish that vision. But then when the alarm goes off, you don't make the call. Yeah. So make the call. So if 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 you wanted to set one area of vision to have deeper, richer friendships, I would say just make the call, make the call. And it's going to cost you 20 or 30 minutes sometimes or that phone call. And sometimes it may cost you five or four minutes, but begin to build those relationships. And, you know, this whole idea of vision, 
there's a reason why I think men, sh- you know, shy away from it because there's work involved. Like there's a ton of work in accomplishing anything that's stretched out in front of you. And even relationally or having a great marriage, there's work to be done. And do we have enough time? So that's why I like that Stephen is saying pick an area of your life, not the whole life, an area of your life and set a vision goal, set a vision project for that area of your life. Uh, so that would be one, you know, relationships, relationships, man, marriage. I, I, I would put that actually before work is the relationship thing. Are you thanks for reminding me. <laughs> I totally forgot. Yeah, you're right. Like, uh, it just showing up and making the call. Yeah, is you, is about eighty five percent of the. Day. And you mentioned sometimes it's awkward, man. Like yeah, that that's part of building relationship. It's gonna be awkward yeah. sometimes, even in your own household, man. That you don't want a moment of silence if you're sitting at a table together. Like mm-hmm. you feel like it's uncomfortable if you're both silent. But it's okay sometimes when you're just in each other's space and you're both silent, you're together, you're thinking. When something important comes to your mind, you can verbalize it, but you don't have to constantly be talking and engaging the entire time. Yeah, I'm going to say another point of vision for me is to live a life of authenticity, man. What, what can I do today? What exercise can I commit to today that's going to create in me when they look at me and go, man, Anthony's a really authentic guy. And for me, the exercises I do is I share my failures. I share how that failure caused me to behave differently and how it helped me begin to walk out of that failure. So, you know, just that having an air of authenticity is a big vision project for me. Another one of my vision projects is having and being at a weight and health that I can run to do the things that God has for me rather than walk and lag behind. And, you know, sometimes I tell you that the Bible shows us that God will impart these visions. I remember, man, clearly, you know, having and I don't know if it was a dream or vision. You know how Paul said that? I think it was Paul. But. You know, he just really imprinted in me that I need you in physical shape where you can run to the work that I need from you rather than walk. So those are three things that I feel like that I need to direct more energy towards and have a better vision of for in my own life. And do you have one or two that you might could give a guy to, to look towards? I think practically the relationship thing is the most important. I think for men to be, you know, to, to achieve greatness, which I think every man wants to achieve greatness. Absolutely. Wants to be the hero. Yeah. It's always going to be hard. Yeah. And I think we, should, we need to just set that on the table. If you want to achieve greatness, you got to do hard work. And without vision, hard work is, it, it doesn't, if without a vision to drive to, it's not sustainable. So I think the hard work of, making sure you have guys in your life. You know, you have a band of brothers. You know, you have people who are regularly in contact with you because we change as people. So we have to have those, we have to have regular contacts so people can know, okay, this is what bothers Jay. This is what the, I can tell just from his face. He needs to say, get something off his chest. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I feel like for men, that's, that's vital. And I think another thing is just having vision that, that for me, I need that practical step of saying like, okay, I have a vision to have a vision. This is necessary. <laughs> this is, this is something that I have to think about. I have to write it down and I have to share it with other men. Yeah. You know, well, great. 
Well, I think that we are coming to the end of our discussion. Uh, Stephen, I want to thank you for poking the bear, man, and causing us both to realize how little vision and how little effort that we've actually put into this. I also want us to, to, for men out there, maybe take an account of things that you visioned, things that you looked forward to and planned and actually accomplished and walked yourself towards it, whether it's in your marriage or whether it's in your work or in your physical abilities or in a hobby, all those things. Because the more successes we have in a thing, the more likely we are to continue to press toward it. But I encourage you all to just get into this vision experiment because it's one of the great arts of manhood. To join the Great Man community or to book Stephen to speak at your man's event, go to greatman.tv. There, you'll also find incredible resources to help you become the great man you are made to be. The Great Man Podcast is a Wise Company production.